Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Hey, everyone. Oh, hey, everybody. So awesome to have you with us this here today. Is. Yeah. This is a great episode. I've been waiting for this episode. Honestly, since we got the show, I was like, I can't wait to do this episode. Yeah. And it's one of the first ones that I researched. It's been sitting in our bank for a while. Mm -hmm. God, I love this story. I love these people. Really enjoyed learning about them, too, because it was like so many things. A anyway, well, we'll get into that. It sounds like we recorded that beforehand because we like are deliberately not saying their names their name. like no everyone's it's just a real spoiler to know what the episode's about <laughs> yeah you haven't read the title when you clicked on it in your phone and uh we didn't make a meme about it probably for <laughs> right. our social media account no we recorded all this like oh this i love this episode so much we just recorded 50 of those yeah and we just stick them at the beginning of every episode it was very cool to learn about Jackie and Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> it was so great. <laughs> but no, seriously, this episode about Ricky and Lucy is very exciting. That's not even right. It's Desi and Lucy. I know, Ricky and Lucy. <laughs> I keep saying Ricky and Lucy. For <laughs> I, Desi I always and call Lucille. him Ricky, too. It's so true. It's hard because that's who we grew up with. You know what I mean? I grew up like we I were <laughs> kids in the 1950s and 60s. But, you know, I still was a kid, watched a lot 
of I Love Lucy. Sure. I watched more as a kid than I do now, probably, because I don't just sit down and watch whatever's on the TV anymore. I had the Barbie, the Vitamita Benjamin. Oh, are you serious? Lucy. Yeah, it's still at my parents' house. <gasps> don't tell them that. Your parents are about to get ransacked. <laughs> Some <laughs> oh, no. crazed I Love Lucy enthusiast, <laughs> and they're out there. I know, right? Actually, I have a kind of a valuable probably valuable Barbie collection of some in there somewhere. You have to like do the toy thing where you're like, how good is the condition of the box? And is all the original shit? And I'm, you know, that's not me. <laughs> I don't do those things. You know but. what? And good luck because I will say that your parents' house has literally secret rooms. Yeah. And you will never find this collection if you go there yeah, sorry, without guys. knowing. So, so, so stay sorry. away, cat burglars. <laughs> Barbie burglars. <laughs> well, before we get into all that, uh, it's just great to have you. Yeah. Uh, it's great to be back in front of the microphones again. Mm-hmm. You know, we love doing this. Uh, we love telling these stories. And uh, I am pretty sure that today we've got to take a mail call. Mail. Awesome. Yeah. Look, we got a bag stuffed full of mail and we want more because I'm using it as a pillow at night. <laughs> And uh, y'all's letters are just so comfy. You're electronic. So true. So true. <laughs> fluff that you're sending us. <laughs> I love this idea that we're printing out the <laughs> yeah. emails we get. Uh, Every one. I print out, I put in an envelope, I mail it back to myself yeah. <laughs> so I can get an exciting piece of mail. Thought we'd kill some trees. <laughs> I just want to recreate that uh, Miracle on 34th Street bit, you know, where the, all the guys come in and they dump just thousands mm. of letters on the desk. Always wanted someone to do that for me. Right. And then I'll be like, oh, I'm I'm not Santa. I'm I'm afraid you got the wrong address. Return to sender. <laughs> Thinking about the mail that we get these days, it's only bills and like requests for money from like nonprofits. Oh my god. Like, you... Oh, please do not dump ten thousand <laughs> ten thousand of those on me. Ugh. I feel like I get ten thousand a day from wildlife. Oh my gosh. And I'm like, I I I know. I gave you a little bit when I had it, and now you're like you must have. Oh, you're a bottomless pit of money, right? Great. I mean. But who, guess who didn't reach out to us asking for money? It was Julia M. That's We're right. Julia so M. Uh, Julia reached out on Instagram. She wanted to thank us for the episode about Serete Kama and Ruth Williams. Um, she wrote, there is a book and TV series called The Number One Ladies Detective Agency that takes place in Botswana, and every now and then they refer to the times of Serete Kama and how wonderful those times were, but I never took the time to dig deeper. This episode just gave so much more depth to a wonderful book series. It made my day. Oh, man. That's cool. I've always wanted to read that book series, actually, so yeah. that's, I didn't know it took place in Botswana. And now you'll have the context. Right? I'll be like, mm-hmm. I know exactly who you're talking about. Serenze Kama. And you can have the context, too, if you go back and listen to that episode, if you haven't already. Mm-hmm. Serenze Kama and Ruth Williams uh, were an interracial couple that married uh, in Botswana. He was the king there of what was actually called Beshuana land at the time. And uh, they were, you know, had to deal with quite a bit, especially out of England and South Africa, who was going through apartheid at the time. Uh, they were exiled. Um, but eventually, their marriage led to the founding of the country of Botswana Mm -hmm. and uh, changed a lot of perceptions about, um, you know, uh, racial politics at the time. Yeah, such a cool story. Really cool story. Very cool story. So, yeah, check that one out. I bet you were never wondering about the origins of Botswana. I wasn't until I I realized I I should have been because it's an incredible story. Yeah, right? It makes you want to think about how other 
countries got their yeah. delineations that we know of today because there's been a lot of that shifting around yep. in our lifetime as well. Well, anyway. That's a cool episode. Yes. And thank you, Julia, for your note. I'm so glad that yes. you took the time to write in about this book series because, again, it's always been on my list. So now I feel like I have something new to read. So thank you for that. Very exciting. Thanks, Julia. All right. Well, I would love to hang around in mail call all day and just swim through this mailbag. But <laughs> we're going to get to our featured story today, Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz. <sighs> you probably know them, of course, as Lucy and Ricky on I Love Lucy. Uh, the Lucy Desi Comedy Hour, uh, various other appearances throughout history. And these two played a married couple on TV. They were a married couple in real life. It was a tumultuous marriage, lots of yelling and screaming and throwing things. <laughs> um, but they were also an incredible couple of people, both together and apart. And they absolutely, without question, changed the entire landscape of television and the entertainment industry and left an impact that we are still watching today. Mm -hmm. So uh, I say that we jump right into this story because I am so excited about it. I've been waiting ever since we started this podcast to get to them. And it's a big story. I mean, again, these were titans of their industry. They each individually were incredibly uh, powerful and remarkable and funny and creative and intelligent people. And you know we couldn't fit this one into one episode. So we are here with a two-parter. So coming up now, it's part one of Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz. I love Lucy and Desi. Let's go. Hey there, friends, come listen well. Eli and Diana got some stories to tell. There's no matchmaking or romantic tips. It's just about ridiculous relationships. A lover might be any type of person at all. An abstract concept or a concrete wall. But if there's a story worth a second glance, we'll put it in a show, Ridiculous Romance. A production of iHeartRadio. Okay, so let us start with Ms. Lucille Ball. She was born in Jamestown, New York, a small town in the sort of southwestern corner of New York State, not far from where I grew up in Dansville. <laughs> um, and she was born in 1911 on August 6th. So, a Leo, if that tells you anything, doesn't tell me anything because I don't care about astrology. But. <laughs> <laughs> She's a quintessential Leo. Just full of fire but, and yes. lions, <laughs> right? And manes. Yeah. King of the jungle. Yeah. King of the... King of the... Is the lion the king of the jungle? I always thought lions were more like savannah. But I feel like the lion's the king of the jungle. King of the jungle. Are lions in jungles? <laughs> oh, I'm getting off topic here. I don't know enough about here. lions. <laughs> <laughs> I just learned that I don't know enough about lions. Right? Oh... Okay. <laughs> Lucille Ball, born in 1911. Her father was an electrician, and they moved around from New York to Montana to Michigan. Basically, he's just shifting around in search of work. He actually died of typhoid fever in February of 1915. Lucy was just three years old. Lucy's mother, Desiree, or Dee Dee, was pregnant with her second child, Lucy's little brother, Fred, at the time. Lucy said that her father's death was one of her first memories, and the day that he died, a bird flew into the house and broke a picture frame. And she cites that as the beginning of her lifelong ornithophobia. So she's afraid of birds her whole life because of this, you know, very intense moment at a very emotional time. Kind of makes sense to me. 
And she's young too, so like oh, a bird. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and <it> break yeah. <laughs> something. Your brain is just taking everything in at that age and making <laughs> lifelong decisions for you. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, stay away from those things <laughs> forever. <laughs> Core memory logged. <laughs> yeah, they <laughs> registered. <laughs> We had fear and disgust uh-huh. <laughs> create a core memory yep. just then. So obviously things are pretty tough for the family. So they moved back to Jamestown, New York. Dee Dee found work at a factory. And before long, she had met and married a man named Ed Peterson. And he wanted to move Dee Dee to Detroit. But he did not like children. Oh. So he convinced Dee Dee to leave her kids behind. <laughs> It's like, uh, I love you so much and everything about you. I just want to take you with me to another city. You know, there's one thing I don't like about you, and it's all that baggage you come with. Those <laughs> two children? Pass. <laughs> Why don't we leave those little brats here and take off to Detroit? <laughs> She's like, he's everything I ever wanted and needed, and the only thing is that he doesn't like my children, so I just have to <laughs> abandon them. Like, what's yeah, the big deal? Right. If he didn't like you my do hair, what you have to do for love. If he didn't like my hair, I'd cut my hair. You know, if he didn't, <laughs> if he didn't like... like my mermaid tail, I'd get legs. <laughs> See, it's you these... change for your man. Yeah, yeah, you make sacrifices for love. <laughs> <laughs> so Fred went to live with his grandparents, Dee Dee's parents, and Lucy went to live with Ed's parents, which I think is a weird choice. Yeah, like she's not related to them. I guess it was just like. Neither set of grandparents could handle two kids, maybe? Maybe. Which still is fair. Weird. That's two mouths to feed, but still, right. it's like, okay. Still, if I'm if I'm Ed's parents, I'm like, so you went off, found yourself a girl who already had two kids, and dumped one of them on us? Yeah, you didn't want to deal with them, so now <laughs> I have to deal with them? <laughs> no. Well, anyway, for whatever reason, they decided to split them up like this, and Ed's parents were kind of stingy. They were really stern. Uh, people. Yeah, you wonder why Ed didn't like kids. Yeah, right. <laughs> His parents didn't. You know, they were so stingy and stern. They were probably like, you know, childlike wonderment was probably trained out of you. That's true. I wonder. Age. That's probably true if you're like, my experience of being a child and what parenting is like mm-hmm. makes me be like, ah, forget it. I yeah. would never, even though, you know, you just don't realize that you can be a different parent than your parents. Right, parents. right. Because you're like, I'll just be exactly like them. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe that's maybe we should cut Ed a break. <laughs> he was dealing with some childhood trauma. <laughs> we don't know. But anyway, Ed's parents, super puritanical also. They banned mirrors from the house. Whoa. They wouldn't let any, they didn't, you know, I'm, that's kind of common, I think, to be like, don't look at yourself. Right. You know, be right. all vain and narcissistic. Mm-hmm. They did have one mirror in the bathroom, and she was punished for admiring herself in it. Jeez. You moved a hair that was out of place mm-hmm. in the bathroom mirror. You're obsessed with yourself. That's a sin. <laughs> I stayed in an Airbnb once that didn't have a bath uh, a mirror in the bathroom at all, and uh, it just had like a painting, like words on the <laughs> wall that was like "look inward" or something, whatever. You, Beauty's you on great. the inside or something like that. Fuck off. And I remember being like, because I was there for like a shoot, like a film shoot, and I was like, but I kind of need to know my <laughs> right. like, do I have anything in my teeth? Like, I really need to know this mirror right now. <laughs> That's I, was like, I appreciate the sentiment, but what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> it was just very like, ah! I had Be to like... sit in the car and like <laughs> do my makeup. <laughs> so, all right, back to Ed's parents. <laughs> they got no mirrors. They're stern as hell. Lucy's growing up in this very, seems like kind of a grim place. Unfun environment. Yeah, really, really buttoned up yeah. kind of place. 
And they actually lost their home in a court case settlement when a neighborhood boy was shot by someone who is doing target practice on the property under her grandfather's supervision. So just keep that in mind. If you like to do hunting on your private property, someone can sue you if they get shot. Yeah, it was a pretty rough case, too. And they they ended up losing just about everything they had um, and the whole the whole the whole property. Uh, There's a whole story about that in this book comedians laugh and be a lady by daryl and tuesday littleton um just super cool book about comedians um there's and there's just a whole section there about about lucille ball and her upbringing so check that book out now when she was 11 possibly as a result of that lucy's mother and stepfather returned to jamestown and the whole family was reunited ed was a shriner her stepfather and Compared to his parents, he actually wasn't like a stodgy guy. He was a little more fun-loving. I mean, you know, I'm sure he was a real bozo the clown around the kids, you know, like, (laughs) I don't know that he was super entertaining, but compared to his parents, he was probably a regular Steve from Blue's Clues. Um, So they started to get along, actually, Lucy and her stepfather, Ed, and he encouraged her to audition for a local performance in town. She did. She got the she got a part in the chorus line and she experienced the stage for the first time when she was 12 years old and she loved it. She loved especially the attention that came with it. That's that Leo coming out. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I get it. I'm not a Leo. And I, I, you know, the first time I got my applause on stage, it was like, I will surrender all kind of security in my future <laughs> for this. <laughs> so heady. Uh-huh. <laughs> when Lucy was 14, she dated a 21-year-old bad boy named Johnny DeVita. I'm a bad boy. There's not a ton of info about Johnny, unfortunately. No. I'm just picturing John Travolta from Greece, kind of. More or less. It's or, the impression I that I got. Even further back in time. Well, yeah. It would be more like, are we talking about like Al Capone gangsters? 1925, kind yeah. of. <gasps> Damn. All right. Well, anyway, so she's dating full-on slick back hair Al Capone gangster boy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, a few blogs say that he was the son of a gangster. Uh, but it's generally agreed that he was bad news, okay? Right. You know, they were like, this guy is not going anywhere. Yeah. You want to go. Yeah. Her mother, Dee Dee, did not like Johnny. Uh, she probably was like, uh, okay, I, I don't want you to be visiting him in jail while you're barefoot and pregnant mm-hmm. <laughs> a few years from now. Um, but she also didn't want to directly interfere, smart, because usually if you tell a teenager don't do something, they're probably going to do it right, harder. Right, yeah, that's true, that's true. <laughs> like Michael Scott, like, I'm going to date him even harder. <laughs> but she did use her ingenuity, and she came up with another way to kind of get Lucy away from him. Um, she used her love of acting, and Ooh. she enrolled Lucy in the John Murray Anderson School for Dramatic Arts in New York City. Wow. So it kind of was like, oh, I'm so sorry, you have to leave your boyfriend, seems like a nice boy. <laughs> But what about this amazing opportunity? And Lucy, of course, would take opportunity over a boy. I think. Look, I'm telling you, when you've got the acting bug, mm-hmm. if you've got the the thirst for that kind of attention that comes from a stage production, <laughs> then nothing is more powerful than that. Right. No boy, no nothing. Yeah. She was like, I'm not going to try to throw a net over you. I'm just going to put in a reel with a bigger bait, oh, yeah. piece of bait on it. And oh, you're yeah. going to come right over to my hook. Uh-huh. <laughs> But now on the website 
LucyLounge.com, which is a very cool website with a lot. It's a forum of lots of Lucy stands <laughs> talking about history. Uh, there's a user named Lenore Mann who spent five years volunteering at the Lucy Desi Museum in Jamestown. Uh, shout Isn't out to Lee Lenor- Norman. Oh, yeah, I guess that makes sense. <laughs> Uh, leaner man. <laughs> it's like lean or man. <laughs> All right. Lee Norman. That makes more sense. <laughs> Leaner man. Lee Norman. <laughs> he's he's going to have a superhero. Leaner man. <laughs> I'm leaner man. All right. Sorry. On the website lucylounge.com, user Lee Norman, who spent five years volunteering for the Lucy Desi Museum in Jamestown, claims that Johnny DeVita actually financially helped her get out of town with her mother's approval. So, yeah, so it seems like Johnny actually might have encouraged mm-hmm. her to go out. And he might have been like, oh, you want to be an actor and you've got this opportunity? That's so cool. Let me help you raise some money. And then he went like, you know, beat up some kids and took their lunch money and was like, <laughs> here you go, Lucy. I got you something. And, uh, you know, <laughs> this ticket to New York City. <laughs> yeah, right. So it, it sounds like maybe he was actually a part of it. And, you know, she could be grateful to Johnny for that. That's cool. That day. That makes sense too. If he was like, you know, Lucy, I'm I'm not going anywhere. You want to go? I mean, yeah. You know, I mean, if he he's really older her, than her too, yeah. so he's like, well, maybe a little more realistic about what yeah. his life might be shaping up to be. And he's like, you're really young. You have another opportunity, something different. Get out of here. You got a chance to get out of town that I never had, Lucy. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna get you out of this town. He sounds so different than when he <laughs> dropped off the money. <laughs> yeah. That's his beating up kids voice. <laughs> yeah. This is this when I beat up kids. Give me all your lunch money. And then I'm going to go to my girlfriend and say, hey, now, you know, I really just want what's best for you. It's so, like a Christian Bale Batman. <laughs> I'm not wearing hockey pads. <laughs> so... Lee Norman also says that the now deceased mayor of Celeron, which was the village kind of on the edge of Jamestown, this guy worked originally as a bag boy in the grocery store where Johnny DeVita used to play cards in the back room, which is such a 1920s a thing to I do. Know. You know? <laughs> a, what a time to be alive. But he says that Lucy brought Desi Arnaz back there in 1956, long after they were famous, and she introduced Desi to Johnny DeVita. So it seems like they had, you know, they had a good parting of ways. Yeah, they were friendly for for a long time. That's cool. Yeah. So Lucy goes to this school. She took the bait, obviously. (laughs) Johnny DeVita helped her get out, whatever the story is. And so she went to the school. Ultimately, though, she got very little out of it. The NPR affiliate in Buffalo, WBFO, had a Heritage Moments segment where they talked about Lucille Ball. Mm -hmm. And... They were saying that teachers didn't like her Great Lakes accent. Um, They said she wasn't assertive enough. And they said Lucy had no future as a performer. The school even wrote to her mother, Lucy's wasting her time and ours. She's too shy and reticent to put her best foot forward. Sounds like you're not teaching very well. well. And Lucy was nervous and shy. That is true. But also one of her classmates was Betty Davis. Oh. (laughs) Who went on to be nominated 10 times for Oscars and win twice. That's like, (laughs) you think all the um, former classmates of Meryl Streep (laughs) are like, boy, I sure don't feel like I was given a fair shot. (laughs) Oh, right. For some reason, I wasn't measuring up in class. (laughs) 
Somebody really ruined the bell curve. <laughs> me Please. and me and Lawrence Olivier, you know, <laughs> were always competing for the same parts. And wouldn't you know, I just couldn't book anything. I don't know what it was. I guess it's me. <laughs> <laughs> Lucy later famously said, all I learned in drama school was how to be frightened. Uh, honestly, that's so true, though. I mean, if you're in a bad drama school. I was about to say, especially, I mean, the the tactics for so long, and especially in the 20s and 30s, were so, like, kind of cruel. They were just like, we want to run you through it and be as mean to you as possible. We're going to get the best art out of you for some reason if you're broken down and miserable. Um, And I know we're still kind of, a lot of people still kind of do that, but I know kind of experiencing a bit of a shift change, which is nice. Yeah. I think that's the worst. I mean, personally, I just think that if you're a, like a director who's just like berating your actors and to the point where they break and then you're saying that's, you know, that's the magic of a performance. Uh, I just can't subscribe to that. And also, I think quite honestly that if you can't give a stellar performance without going through that, then you're not as skilled of an actor. You well, know? and it's it's really hard to duplicate. If you're in rehearsal, being broken yeah. down actively by your yeah. director, you're going to react differently than when you're doing, I mean, you know, sometimes on Broadway or off-Broadway, you're doing eight shows a week. Right. Over and over and over again, you have to find that time. Yeah. But you don't have someone sitting there telling you some bullshit. So yeah. it's like, it. I don't think it really works Yeah. overall. I mean, talk about like um, Kubrick- yeah. Uh, torturing Shelley Duvall mm-hmm. in The Shining. And I'm like, it's just unnecessary. Uh, you, you can't tell me she wouldn't have given a good performance if you hadn't put her through literal fucking torture, psychological and, and emotional torture. And would have had many more good performances right. from her right. if he had not traumatized her on that set. Exactly. And she was like, actually, forget this whole thing. Exactly. And 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 actors do it to themselves also. I, I'll go ahead while we're talking about it. You know, people like... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know Leto or 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 Joaquin Phoenix that right. just like I've got to I've got to put myself through hell and everyone around me in order to give you the best performance and I'm like well you know who doesn't need to do that also great actors right. who are amazing uh, so yes yeah it's just didn't a thing. Lawrence Olivier say why don't you try acting yeah to Dustin Hoffman <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> why don't you, you ever try acting, acting my boy <laughs> yeah anyway Shade. so. She leaves school. She says, forget this. I, I got to get out of here. And she goes back home to Jamestown. She kind of collects herself for like a year or so. And then she decides she's going to hold her head up high and she's going back to New York City to prove everyone wrong. It's 1928. She's like 17, 18 years old. And she gets work as an in-house model for the fashion guru, Hattie Carnegie. Back to the mm. Carnegie's. Hey. Um, cigar, cigar. <laughs> She went by the name Diane Belmont, and she worked for Carnegie on and off for years while she supported herself. Lucy said, Hattie taught me how to slouch properly in a $1,000 hand-sewn sequin dress and how to wear a $40,000 sable coat as casually as rabbit. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's so funny. Essential fashion skills. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. As casually as rabbit. Come on. That's gold. But during that time... She was also down for two years with rheumatic fever. But she got better, and in 1932, she was working on Broadway. And the thing is, she got hired and fired kind of on and off all the time on Broadway. You're perfect. You're everything we want. You're hired. You're going to be the star of the show. Actually, you know, we're going to bump you into the chorus. And actually, it's not working out, so why don't you get out of here? That just kind of happened on and off a few times. 
And she kind of got sick of that and sort of gave up on the New York City stage dream. She decides, hey, you know what? It's 1932. If you want to be an actor, if you want to make a living, and and if you want people to know who you are, mm. you got to move. And in 1933, she packed up her bag and she moved west to the city of Lost Angels, to Tinseltown, to La La Land, to Hollywood, California. To get into the pictures. I'm going to be in the flickers. <laughs> the flickers. <laughs> But she didn't want to do the same on again, off again work she was doing in New York City, right? She's like, I need to do better. Right. I want more. Mm-hmm. So she marches right into Hollywood. She probably stood on the sign, Hollywood right. Land sign. Climbs up the hill, <laughs> stands on the sign, arms akimbo, <laughs> and said, I'm a full time actress. That's my job. That's what I do. And in no time, that doesn't always work, by the way. Let's, I just <laughs> want to throw that out. That yeah. You can't just always do that. <laughs> Setting an intention is great. It's yes. very personally motivating. It can absolutely. help you get a lot done. Mm-hmm. But it is absolutely 100% not a guarantee that anything good is going to happen for you. Unfortunately, no. And I'm sure there was more to it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Her working to get these yes. things. But in a very short amount of time, she had signed with RKO Pictures as a contract player. And the next thing you know, she's doing short films with the Three Stooges, with the Marx Brothers. She worked several times with Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers. I mean, so these, cool. are the names, Those are the names, right? the names. Yeah. yeah. And Hollywood's just pumping out content at this time. In between all these big pictures, they're releasing dozens of smaller ones or B-movies. We all know and love some B-movies. Oh, sure. Um, she's landing parts in those left and right. Right. Eventually, she gets the nickname Queen of the Bees. <laughs> <laughs> You're kind of the Queen of the Bees. Queen of the Bee Cups. Exactly. That's <laughs> literally what I was going to, the joke I was going to make. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> but also the bee is the Atlanta Fringe Festival logo. Right. And you're the queen of the Atlanta Fringe Festival. Very true. We do call ourselves the HBICs, yeah. the honeybees in charge. Exactly. So, and yeah. your bee-sized boobs. And my bee-sized boobs. <laughs> So now everyone knows about my B-sized boobs. Great. <laughs> they knew. <laughs> Damn. We, we tell them our Instagrams. They knew. They saw you. <laughs> you, can't, you can't hide those. They're bees. <laughs> yes, I can. They're bees. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, B-movies aren't enough for Lucy. So she goes into radio to get more exposure. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine... If you will, a time when you could just speak into a microphone for a living. Uh, anyway, moving on. <laughs> it's kind of making me think, though, about how how many celebrities are doing podcasts now, oh, like yeah. for voiceover. It's work literally and stuff. doubling back on that part it's of history. Like sh- sh- it's all coming back. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, it, while she's in radio, she met a man named Gail Gordon, and they would have a professional relationship for the next fifty years. And a big part came up around this time that everybody wanted. Pretty much every woman actress there was uh-huh. was auditioning for this part, including Lucy's old classmate, Betty Davis. Oh. It was for Scarlett O'Hara in Gone with the Wind. Oh, my. And obviously, Lucy did not get that part. Right. And thank God for that, because can you imagine... Gone with oh. the Wind with Lucille Ball. It's a completely and different film. Look, and whoever talks about Vivian Lee anymore? Well, there's a film buff out there screaming at you. <laughs> well, in 1940, Lucy did land a lead role in a film adaptation of the Broadway musical Too Many Girls. 
This play is the story of a girl who wants to go to college to be near her beau, and her tycoon father, without her knowledge, gets four Ivy League football players to go with her as bodyguards, and they all have to sign a contract with him with a non-romance clause, so they won't fall in love with her. And then, of course, one of them does. She falls in love with him. There's a lot of back and forth. It's a very strange story. But it was a hit at the time, and they decided to make a movie out of it. Wow. And it was going to be starring Lucille Ball. Man, some of these plays back in the day, man. <laughs> oh, man. We'll get into it. play out of anything. But that's going to take us back in time to 1917 in Cuba, where a man named Desiderio Alberto Arnez III was born on March 2nd. His family was wealthy, and they owned three ranches, a palatial home, and a vacation mansion on a private island. Mm. Not a bad setup. His father, Desiderio Alberto Arnez II, or Junior, as I always like to say. I don't know why people go with the second when Junior is right there, and it's way more fun. <laughs> well, they just don't want to be called Junior their whole lives. I know, I know. <laughs> it's more like, we've said that last time, like it's more regal to be the second than a Junior, but mm -hmm. Junior. Um... <laughs> So his father had gone to what is now known as actually Mercer University in Atlanta. Hey. And then he went back to Cuba and ended up being the youngest mayor of Santiago de Cuba. And he was elected to the Cuban House of Representatives in 1932. But in 1933, in Cuba, there was a little bit of a revolution, mm -hmm. kind of changed things. And Desiderio was jailed and all of his property was confiscated. He was in jail for six months. And after that, his brother-in-law went and negotiated his release. And they agreed to let him out of jail and said, okay, you can get out, but you got to go into exile. You can't hang out in Cuba anymore. Mm -hmm. So Desiderio packed up his family and they left Cuba for Miami. And that included the 16-year-old Desi. Desi Arnaz took a job at Woolworths at first when they got there. And then eventually he helped his father run his tile business before finally shifting his focus to showbiz. All this time, he's in school. He graduates high school. Once he's finished, he decided to start a band, and they were called the Siboney Septet. Siboney is a coastal town in Cuba, not far from Desi's hometown, mm -hmm. so that, and I guess there were seven of them. <laughs> right, yes, Septet is that. <laughs> so, Siboney Septet makes sense. Um, this band got pretty big in Miami. He was doing really well. He was hired for a touring show by Xavier Cugat, as a conga drummer and singer, and he became the featured main attraction. Oh, yeah. And then he branched out, moving to New York, and he started his own band, the Desi Arnaz Orchestra. And he took off in the club scene in New York City. He really started to make a name for himself in the mid-30s when he popularized the conga line. Conga! Yeah, I mean, can you imagine? I mean, this guy, get my time machine. And go back and do a couple nights at a New York City club where Desi Arnaz's band oh, is playing. Please. Please. This is, I really just want a time travel agency, like a yeah. time travel oh, destination God, agency. Please. And you're just like, okay, we're going to 1974 right. to David Bowie playing in this tiny ass club. Oh, and you're definitely going to see his dick. Like, I. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's your first stop. That's our premiere Listen, package. Listen, he just like to pull it out, okay? It's not our like. Our premiere package is David Bowie's package. <laughs> I mean, listen, 
a lot of people would pay a lot of money for that. I, I did pay a lot of money to see that at sure Chastain did. Park a few years back. You sure did. Well, many years back now. Oh. Yeah, many years. Oh. <laughs> Be realistic. So in 1939, Desi Arnaz ended up on the radar of popular musical writers Rogers and Hart, who cast him in their new Broadway musical, Too Many Girls. You might remember Rogers and Hart from some of their other hit Broadway <laughs> shows from the time. What like were they? The Girlfriend, mm-hmm. She's My Baby, One Damn Thing After Another, Damn D-A-M. I mean, is this a musical about the Hoover Dam? It must have been, right? Or, or Beavers? Beavers. Maybe it was a musical about, <gasps> oh, we are the beavers here to build our dam. <laughs> it's just one damn thing after another when you're a beaver. It's wow, a Rogers really bad song. Really did a bad job. <laughs> the on that competition one. was light back then. <laughs> <laughs> or how about the hit film that they wrote called "Hallelujah, I'm a Bum"? Oh right, I think that's coming out in Criterion. Well, you know the song so well, so why don't you sing me a song <laughs> from "Hallelujah, I'm a Bum," Diana? <laughs> Come on, let's hear it. Uh, I don't work. I only drink rum. <laughs> hold on, hold on. I, 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 that's the song. I remember it well. I don't work. I only drink rum. Hallelujah. I'm a bum. <laughs> <laughs> they, they were famous for their one-line songs. <laughs> that's just the hook, all right? Hey, I'm hooked. There was a whole story in there. <laughs> I am hooked to that hook. Anyway... Too Many Girls was a Broadway smash. And Desi, as well as a few other cast members, were signed with RKO Pictures to appear in the film version as well. And they were brought out to Hollywood, and they were like, here's your new gig. You're a film actor now, baby. Nice. We watched the trailer for this movie, and (laughs) you can watch it too. It's online. (laughs) And it is... I mean, you know, of course, the classic old Hollywood trailers, big words flying across the screen, really awkward cuts. And it's just like, it's just a showcase. They're not trying to tell you what the movie's about or anything. It's just right. like, you like movies? Come yeah. see this one. Look, there's numbers. There's people. There's dolls. <laughs> Dancing. <laughs> flashing lights. Singing. This one's got like, they show this whole like, uh, you know, it looks like a luau scene. There's fires and people banging on drums and all this stuff. And the narration introduces Desi Arnaz as... A torrid tempest from Latin America who, quote, introduces the jungle rhythms of this year's most sensational dance, the conga. And then it goes on to call the movie a parade of youth and fresh gay faces that look as though they're going places. (laughs) (laughs) Just... Just, and he's Latin. Did I mention he's not white? <laughs> Come see this movie starring. It's just like, it's very strange Oof. and certainly exploitative. Yeah. And considering Rogers and Hart who wrote it, and I'm quite sure the non-Latino director who made it, probably pretty racist. I think that, that luau shit looked pretty like Oh, yeah. It was dicey. just like a cultural <laughs> mashup of anything non-white, you know, just yeah. look, exotic stuff. <laughs> right. <laughs> Palm fronds. You'll pay to see that from the safety of a movie theater, right? <laughs> Everyone's barefoot. How crazy. <laughs> so obviously it is on the set of the movie that Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz meet for the first time. And we are going to get to that meeting right after this commercial break. 
There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. And welcome back to the show, everyone. And Lucy and Desi are both on the set of Too Many Girls. Uh, There's a little bit of foreshadowing in that title. (laughs) Very true. In the Littleton's book, it's said that when they met in the morning, Desi didn't care too much for this Hollywood brunette starlet. But by the end of the day, they were best friends. So they really had some kindred spirits, I guess. They they found a lot. Just that instant chemistry, you know. Yeah. Lucy had been romantically linked to a series of older men leading up to this point, but Arnez was totally different from them. He was actually six years younger than her. Wow. And he knew the industry, but he wasn't a fixture in it like a lot of her exes were. Right, right. He didn't have that kind of like old Hollywood attitude, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. He was fresh. He was fresh and new. Yeah, and young and hot. Yeah. Unfortunately, 
he was actually in a serious relationship at the time when they met. And by some accounts, he was actually engaged at the time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, even though they connected so well, they really bonded right away. It, it just looked like their flirtations wouldn't amount to much of, uh, uh, nope, nope, never mind. No, he <laughs> asked her out that very night. <laughs> because wow. you see, to Desi Arnaz, there was no such thing as too many girls. <laughs> Just a, Desi. a running theme. Yeah. We'll go throughout his life. Spoiler alert. They fell in love fast, these two. In fact, sparks were flying so quickly, her friends said it wouldn't last a year. They thought it would like burn itself out oh, yeah. as quickly as it popped up. You've seen those couples. Oh, yeah. Lucy herself told People Magazine in 1980, everybody gave it about a year and a half. I gave it six weeks. <laughs> and they even lied about their ages to the press. She brought hers down by three years to 26, and he brought his up by three years to 25. <laughs> and reporters kept asking them, hey, Lucy, Desi, when you going to get hitched? <laughs> and they were just like, are you kidding me? Like, no, we are so different. It'll never work. Uh, one thing we know for sure is we're never getting married. And then on November 30th, 1940, Lucy and Desi were married. (laughs) After eloping to Greenwich, Connecticut. So romantic. Oh, yeah. And that was after less than a year of dating. So, again, fast and furious. All about family. (laughs) November 30th, happy birthday to me. True. And uh, Winston Churchill. Oh, right. Yeah. It's a a very famous day. (laughs) So Desi, in 1942, was drafted into the army for World War II. He was still technically a Cuban citizen, but foreign nationals with residency in the U.S. still had to register for the draft. And this wouldn't automatically grant citizenship, but it did facilitate the process if someone decided to pursue American citizenship later. It makes you look good. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I would hope so. I, like, I mean, yeah, it doesn't care. always work, though, because, no, you know, you you t- talk about a lot of the black soldiers that would come back and not get shit. I yeah. mean, you know. Anyway. I mean, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. The number of times in history that fighting for your country didn't really get you, Jack Squat, is uh, <laughs> a lot. not unique to this country and, uh, yeah. and many times across the world. But anyway, he had been drafted. And before reporting, though, he had a serious knee injury. He went ahead and completed his circuit training, and he tried to go for active service, but they classified him under limited service because of the injury. So instead of sending him into the battlefield, they were like, what do we do with this Desi Arnaz guy? He wants to help. He wants to fight for his country, but he's got that bum knee. Ooh, I got an idea. (laughs) And they assigned him to direct USO shows in Los Angeles. I mean, the guy knew how to entertain. And more than that, he knew what people wanted. Mm -hmm. Everybody knew that about Desi. I mean, he had such a connection to the crowds, to the people. He knew what entertainment was. I'm just, I'm sorry, because I'm just picturing someone being like, when I fought for this country by directing USO shows, (laughs) I didn't hold up, hold these rights. It takes all kinds. No, they're very important. Yeah. There's a lot of ways to serve your country. Yeah. And, but it still makes me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> for example, Desi noticed that the first thing wounded soldiers always asked for was a cold glass of milk. So he rounded up all these movie starlets that he knew, got them to come to the hospitals and pour milk for wounded soldiers. And it was this mm-hmm. whole thing. Like, they loved it. 
And obviously his superiors were like, damn, this uh, our our hospital is the happiest hospital in the <laughs> in the army. Huh. So um it makes sense like a taste of home, I guess. Yeah. You wouldn't have milk. Oh, if yeah. Anything, sure, get powdered sure. milk or something. Also, so. I mean, at the time, a cold glass of milk was like the thing. I don't we don't do that anymore, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, we cold like obsessed glass of with milk. I am so Look, I'll eat milk on cereal, but I'm not going to drink a glass of milk on its own. No. Some people still love it. I never understood that. Yeah. I don't know. I As a kid, I liked it, I guess. But yeah. It definitely grew out of it, and it's just a weird dietary change right. from our parents' to lifetime to now. I'm sure it's just about because- About how much milk people drink. Right. <laughs> I'm sure that's entirely due to the marketing of the dairy industry, you know? I mean, we remember that got milk shit. Oh, every yeah. Every celebrity had a milk mustache uh-huh. at some point. Yep. But yep. even then, Good we weren't bones. drinking as much milk as- uh, you know, like no, my dad yeah. would talk about having a glass of milk with every meal. Right. Like he was like a cheeseburger and a whole glass of milk. Blech. Like that was a lunch. Blech. And I'm like, ew. <laughs> a and he he was like, and a glass ew. Of milk. Oh, <laughs> like God. it sounds awful, but at the time, it's it that seemed like a healthy, like a healthy thing to do. Grown grown bones or whatever. I don't know. You know Milk's, milk. You know, we don't know shit about milk. It, we're always <laughs> learning. <laughs> now we're drinking milk from nuts. <laughs> So anyway, in 1943, Lucy was cast in the film DeBerry Was a Lady, opposite Red Skelton and Gene Kelly. More big names. Two big names. And they were like, you're great, baby, we love you, but your hair, uh, something ain't working here, dollface. So they brought in the famous Hollywood Golden Age hairstylist, Sidney, what? Gilleroff. Gilleroff? Gilleroff. Gilleroff? Gilleroff. 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 Nikolash. Nikolash. <laughs> Is it Gilleroff? Gilleroff. <laughs> I feel like I'm doing it. So they brought in famous Hollywood golden age hairstylist Sidney Gilleroff. And he's basically like, I got it. And suddenly, Lucille Ball was a redhead. Oh my. Side note, Lucy's on-set hairstylist for I Love Lucy was Irma Kuzli who said that her hair wasn't so much red as it was a golden apricot color. Okay, yeah. Um, she said she used regular hair dye and then this henna rinse to achieve this perfect color. Mm, whole formula. I, yeah. yeah. I mean, they didn't just be like, get her whatever the, get the a box, nearest yeah. redhead. They really thought about this. Yeah, yeah. And it's true. It's kind of almost blonde, but it's got that yeah. tint to it. It's yeah. really pretty. Um, and the rinse, the henna rinse, was very hard to find. But while she was in Las Vegas, Lucy met a wealthy man who had some connections, and he managed to find a huge quantity of it. So she's like bought it in bulk from this uh-huh. one-stop Costco <laughs> that she met in Vegas. <laughs> He's like, oh, you need some hederance. Yeah, he opens I his coat. I get you hederance. <laughs> he opens his coat up. <laughs> yeah, right. You want to watch with some hederance? He opens his coat, and it's like all these different colors. He's like, you want Auburn brown? Swatches. I got red <laughs> I got golden red. I got brick red. Mm. I got uh, uh, old tooth yellow. I got, <laughs> not that one. <laughs> Why do you have that one? You'd be surprised. Anyway. <laughs> so he found, she went to, yeah, she got her hookup <laughs> with this <laughs> the shady wealthy guy. Uh-huh. And Coosley ended up keeping this huge stock of henna rinse in a safe in her garage. Yeah. <laughs> so funny to be like, 
Put it under lock and key. <laughs> I mean, yeah, no one no one else can have Lucy's hair color. Where's the heist movie where they steal Lucy's hair color? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like something Carmen Sandiego would steal. It does. <laughs> she oh my stole god. Lucille Ball's hair dye. <laughs> <laughs> stole all the monkeys, <laughs> all the lemurs from <laughs> India, and also Lucille Ball's hair dye. <laughs> so even while directing the USO shows, Desi is still touring. He's spending a long stretches on the road. Mm-hmm. And Lucy is building her career in Hollywood. So even when they were home together, they barely saw each other. They were working these insane showbiz hours or spending, again, weeks on the road just separate from each other. Right. Because, you know, show business is glamorous and everything, but it's a lot of work. Yeah, It is a lot of work to create content. Right, 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 right. (laughs) And yeah, like you say, such long... I remember our first year of marriage was your first time being full-time on a film set. Yeah. And yeah, seven months went by and we only saw each other on Sundays. Yeah, And that was pretty much it. Pretty much, yeah. So it was a very easy first year (laughs) of marriage. We did not fight a lot. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Fair, yes. But but also it could be hard, I guess, because you're not you know, together building a relationship. Yeah. And it's not even necessarily just creating the content, but you're also, you know, when you're someone like Desi Arnaz or Lucille Ball, you're also like managing your own, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you're, you are the product. Yeah. You know, and you have to manage that. You're selling yourself. You're marketing yourself. You're, mm-hmm. you're constantly working. Yeah. Even when you're not on set shooting or in front of the audience playing. And you, yeah, and you there's have management to, going on, and you have to take opportunities when they come up, yep. even if they're not conveniently timed. Yeah, you know stuff yeah. like that. So anyway, because of all this separation, they're spending a lot of time on the phone. They're constantly on the phone with each other. Desi once said, "We could have bought AT and T." But unfortunately, when they were on the phone, they would just scream at each other yeah. and accuse each other of infidelity. Right. Not very loving phone calls mm. that they were getting in the meantime. And it's unlikely that Lucy was cheating. There's no evidence that she had affairs at this time yeah. or anything. Um, but in Desi's, Desi's case, he definitely was. He right. was absolutely positively <laughs> cheating. And later in his life, he attributed his difficulties with fidelity to his upbringing because he said his father and his grandfather both had mistresses. They had children outside of their marriages. Um, and so he was just kind of like, it just monogamy is just not something I that comes naturally. Uh-huh. But unfortunately for Lucy, it was something that was very important to her. Yeah, Lucy really wanted a more traditional family life. And Desi thought this was a traditional family life, I think. Like yeah, he just which, wasn't instilled with that belief that like Yeah. One husband, one wife, and mm-hmm. that's it. And it sounds like a bullshit excuse to like step out on your right, wife, but right. that there is something to be said for that. As we have come up across in many of our episodes, that is a that is a way that many cultures have been set up in the past. Sure. And even our own. I mean, yeah. we just did Founding Fathers. They were full of mistresses. Oh my god. <laughs> Chock full of mistresses. Yeah, everybody. But but you know, it's okay if monogamy doesn't come naturally to you. That's right. all right. But you do have to find a partner for whom that's okay. Yes. And in this case, they did not find that partner. They were very much not on the same page about what a happy marriage was meant to look like. Right, right. And it's about, like you said, I mean, the agreement that you make when you get married, if that mm-hmm. is, you know, yeah, you and me forever, then that's a promise you're supposed to keep. Exactly. You know, and, and not break without at least bringing it to the negotiating table you know <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> if you're not if you're not uh 
willing to speak to your spouse about your wanting to sleep with other people, then you shouldn't be doing it. Then you're not, yeah. you don't, you don't have your shit together enough. And if you speak to them and they say that's not something I'm comfortable right. with, then that's that's kind of it if you want to keep that relationship. Right, exactly. And so if that's you don't, then you, you should have talked about, about that before. Right. <laughs> before well, you before agreed to stay together forever. Yeah. <laughs> I don't so. know. I mean, things can come up. It's a lifetime. So sure. obviously things come up. People change. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, you hope that you have a strong enough relationship to withstand having a theoretical conversation about something. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, I hope so anyway. Right, right. But that is something that Desi did not do, unfortunately. So it caused a lot of strife for the two of them over the years. Although, must be said, Desi did not father any children besides his and Lucy's children. Right. So he wasn't out here running around with a bunch of babies, yeah. and a bunch of women, <laughs> you know, acting crazy or right, whatever. Right, like, like his father and grandfather did, yeah. Right, causing trouble or whatever. So mm. that's something at least. <laughs> But still, it was not enough for Lucy. In 1944, she had had enough, and she filed for divorce. She cited extreme mental cruelty, and she later admitted that it pretty much all came down to his constant cheating. And obviously, Which can be mentally cruel. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, and then if all they're ever doing is fighting because of it. Right. Then Horrible absolutely. mindset for everybody. And the divorce was ugly, and it was as contentious as their marriage had been. Lucy moved out and more or less refused to see or speak to him. But then, the night before the court date, Desi called her up. She picks up the phone like, yeah, what do you want? <laughs> Desi's like, hey, you know what? Let's just go to dinner. And she agreed. She's like, All right, it's our last night being married. Tomorrow we're finalizing the thing in court. Yeah, we'll go out to dinner. And they walked into this nightclub, and everybody in there does a double take because... I mean, they're fighting, they're arguing, and their actual divorce was all over the papers at this point. So seeing them out together was like, holy, oh my, murmur, like, murmur, murmur. It's like when Ben and Ben Affleck oh and Jennifer God. Lopez got back together. Jennifer went out. Good God. Just, you know, broke the internet. <laughs> so by the end of the meal, they are laughing and flirting and having a great time. And Lucy says, I want to go dancing. And together they go out after dinner and they dance all night long and Desi says hey let's go back to my place for a nightcap Lucy says yeah absolutely let's do it they get back to Desi's house he puts on a record he pours her a drink and they're sitting on the couch and they're still giggling they're still high from what a fun night they've been having and Desi stares into Lucy's mischievous eyes and she gives him a coy smile and the air is just thick with this red hot tension and she puts her hand on the side of his face and she says, well, and he says, well, and Lucy stands up and says, gotta go. <laughs> and Desi's like, whoa, 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 wait, where, where are you going? And she says, well, I'm divorcing you in the morning. And she walks out Damn. the door and drives home to get some rest. And sure enough, the next morning she went to court and the divorce was finalized. <laughs> but... Immediately after the proceedings, she got in her car and she went straight back to Desi's place. He's like, what are you doing here? And she says, she explains to him that there's a California law at the time that nullifies any divorce if the couple didn't spend a year apart after their divorce date. 
So she clearly knew that this was going to undo it, and she went back to his place. Inquirer has an article that says an MGM insider speculated that she didn't want to waste the $2,000 she spent on legal fees. <laughs> <laughs> but didn't she anyway if that nullified it? Yeah, but she's yeah, but she's like, I'm not going to pay for this whole thing and then not do it. Right on. She's just she's trying, like, I'm going to do want those it. Papers signed. I think Speculation Station, that she just wanted to put him through it. Mm. I think she wanted him to feel like, no, no, this can happen over. to you. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh-huh. Now, that's also a Leo move, if I can say. <laughs> <laughs> that's a straight Leo move. Like, I will make you miss me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She was not. She's like, you're going to feel this divorce. Mm-hmm. You're going to know it happened. And then it didn't happen. But yeah. <laughs> and then right when you're crying your eyes out, I'll show up at your door and say, this nullifies everything. So that was their famous 24-hour divorce only Lucy and Desi could pull that off. I love that Desi was like, let's go out. <laughs> yeah. Let me like, take you out to dinner. What a guy. He was like, you know, you have to admit, he must be pretty smooth, Desi. Oh, unbelievable. First of all, he's very handsome. Yeah. Definitely he got charm coming out of his butt. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> so I just, I love the idea of him being like, come on, let's just have dinner. You and me, you know? Right. And she's like, that's son of a bitch. <laughs> of course I'm going to go. <laughs> he must have been so fun when yeah. he was fun. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think that's what, that's probably what got him all the ladies to begin with. That it's certainly what's made him irresistible to Lucy. And he was smart. Oh, yeah. Because Brilliant. she was smart. So, yeah, he couldn't be some idiot. No. No, definitely so, yeah. not. And it's time to get into just how smart both these guys were Yes. Uh, as soon as we come back from this commercial break. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. 
So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. And we're back with more Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz. Yeah, so they were divorced for 24 hours. Uh But after that whole debacle, divorce debacle... They decided they really were going to work harder and try and steer their professions in a way where they could spend more time together. Yeah. They were like, clearly that really pulled us apart the first time. We don't want that. We're going to be intentional about our choices. Get it together. It reminds me, honestly, of um, Robert and Susan Downey. Yeah. Right. Uh, who made an, who made that agreement of like, we're not going to we are not allowed to let two weeks pass without us seeing each other. Yeah. And then eventually we're going to have to work together so that we can see each other more often. And quite frankly, we have done similar things. I mean, here we are working together now after, like you said, when I was working on set, which I love and miss and will probably do again to some degree, but not seeing each other for seven, eight months is tough. It's not how you want to live your life right? um, when you've got someone you want to spend your time with necessarily. Some people do it and do it amazingly well and it works so well for them. And that's awesome. So yeah, in 1947... Lucy starred in a hit radio series with CBS called My Favorite Husband. (laughs) What was this about? Uh, She was playing opposite an actor named Richard Denning. Desi was touring with his new band at the time. He was doing great. Reportedly, though, he wanted to be closer to home and he was getting interested in having children. So he was sort of feeling more domestic Mm. at this point. In 1950, CBS wanted to adapt My Favorite Husband for TV because it was doing so well on the radio. Why not? And they wanted Lucy and Richard Denning to both play their roles on television. But Lucy said, no, this is a perfect chance for me and Desi to be working together in the same town with the same schedule. Yeah. Desi is going to play my husband. (laughs) Period. End of story. That's how we're doing it. Of course, CBS was very resistant at first because they're all worried about an interracial marriage being agreeable to American audiences. Oh, my. They're like, oh, you're talking about two people of slightly different skin tones being married on a black and white television show? (laughs) Outrageous. The American people will not stand for it. (laughs) Yeah, we spent all this time telling him how Latin he was. <laughs> they sure did. We, we made a big deal out of this guy being very exotic. We can't walk it back now. He can't be married to a white woman. <laughs> People, 
white women everywhere will want to leave their boring ass husbands. Oh no! <laughs> That's probably what they were really worried about. For a Latin Lothario with jungle rhythms. Uh huh. Yeah, maybe so. Oh, My wife man. loves him. Oh. Obviously, Lucy and Desi are like, uh, I can tell you that people definitely won't have a problem with this because we live this life every fucking day and it's been fine. So they decide that they have a plan. They're like, look, Americans, they're going to be fine with this. You know, executives, stop putting your own racism onto the American people right. as a whole. Right. I hate that, you know, uh, TV executives or marketing people or whoever will be like, uh, the American people don't know what they want. We tell them what they want. Mm -hmm. But then when something like this comes up, they're like, oh, well, the American people won't accept it. They won't like it. I'm like, which is it? Okay. And I know which one it is. You mm -hmm. can show them whatever and they will be fine with it. And if they're not, you'll teach them to be fine with it. Yeah. Come on, y'all. Don't make it a big deal. And no, probably people won't even fucking notice. Yeah, like half the time. Literally just your own racism stopping that from happening. Exactly. And so, then, yeah. And then you're put blaming everyone else in the freaking country for it. <laughs> right. It's your yeah. own. But that's a personal sorry. problem, sir. Oh, no. Sorry. It's not me. I'm not racist. But <laughs> every other American is. <laughs> so I so, uh, can't. I'm sorry. I can't give you the job. So Lucy and Desi are like, we just have to prove these shitty old racists wrong. Mm -hmm. uh, and it'll be easy enough. In the summer of 1950, they put together a live vaudeville act and went on tour. At the time, vaudeville was still the most common way to see comedy in America. TV, of course, was just limited to certain hours. And, of course, many households in the country still didn't have a television. So touring theatrical shows was the best way to reach the widest audience. What a time. Wow, imagine that. <laughs> so they got their friend Pepito Perez to help them put together this crazy act about a kooky housewife trying to get into her husband's show. They would tell jokes back and forth, and they'd sing little songs in between them. The whole gag basically being Lucy undercutting Desi's jokes or coming in with an unexpected punchline. And people were rolling in the aisles laughing. These guys were a hit. You can see some of their vaudeville acts uh, on online. There's some videos. I think they were all retaped later. Like it wasn't I was about obviously to ask how. filmed vaudeville shows. I don't think they did that too often, but they did redo some of these bits, you know, after uh, they were yeah. famous and put them on TV and stuff. The show is a total hit. And obviously, you don't take comedy gold like that and just leave it sitting in a storage trunk somewhere. A lot of these bits from the vaudeville show were then incorporated onto the show I Love Lucy. Like they did the famous bit where Lucy acts like a trained seal honking horns. Uh, it's in the show. That was a bit that was used in an episode called The Audition where Lucy busts into Ricky's audition for a TV show and acts like a damn fool and mimics a trained seal and the TV executives end up offering her a TV contract instead of Ricky. Hilarious. Obviously, she turns it down at the end and decides to give up her pursuit of show business, obviously, until next week's episode when she got into some other zany act activities to do it again. So CBS looks at the success of this vaudeville act and they're like, like, oh my God, look at that. Turns out America loves you guys. Man, we're so smart. We had such a great idea putting you guys together as you and Desi as an interracial couple. Oh, so smart. So glad we thought of this. <laughs> oh, oh, we really deserve a raise. We did a good job, boss. We did yes, a good job. We sure did. So they said, okay, all right, fine. 
y'all can do a show. Um, you could be a couple actors who play husband and wife on a radio show. And Lizzie and Desi are like, hell no. No, that is not what we want. <laughs> what we have proven to you is that we can just be ourselves. They're like, this is about us as two real life married people. We're not going to pretend to be married. Because we are married. Right. That'd be like iHeart being like, why don't you guys pretend to be a married couple and talk yeah. about married couples? <laughs> like, uh, can we skip a step? <laughs> so CBS is really still just trying to bury the reality of a white woman being married to a Latino. Like, yeah. they're still just kind of like, we'll just make it a, how many, a plot point. How many steps can we put in between, you yeah. know, the reality of the situation and what's on TV? You're... Okay, you're married, but you're married as actors on a radio show in a simulation <laughs> on a TV show. At, you well, know, I don't want people thinking this kind of thing happens in real life. Right. Well, this is our real life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, 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 but if brain explodes, <laughs> but if we tell Americans this can happen, then all our wives are going to leave us for Latino men. <laughs> I guess it, that's all I can figure is their Possible. fear here, right? Certainly well, maybe if you weren't such a shitty husband. No, no, that's not an option. Oh, no, it's not me. <laughs> it's not me. Anyway, eventually they finally cave and they're like, fine, fine, fine. People are down with interracial married couples. Fine. But they love the wacky showbiz comedy. So here's what we'll do. It's going to be a show about Lucy and Larry Lopez, a successful showbiz couple trying to maintain a normal marriage in the chaos of their professional success. Ooh. I mean, I'm curious about this show. Okay, okay, okay. So they write a few scenes, and they start taking it to focus groups. They're like, hey, look at these look at these wacky rich actors trying to live their lives while their constant business and fame keeps getting in the way. How relatable. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously, the market research comes back, and surprise, turned out nobody wanted to watch a couple of rich people pretending like being too famous was a problem for them. <laughs> yeah, it was you know? ahead of its time, you could say. That's it wouldn't true. be until the 2000s that we wanted to that see that shit. That is true. So back to the drawing board. And they've got all these ideas. How can we have uh, Lucy and Desi as a married couple on TV? All these ideas come and go across the desk. And eventually, they settle on a show about Lucy and Ricky Ricardo. Ricky is a struggling band leader. And Lucy is an aspirational housewife with big dreams and a knack for trouble. Hmm. Focus groups. You guys yeah. good with this? And they're like, yeah. All right, I'll give it a shot. I mean, you got to remember, this is a time... Okay, you and I, and I'm sure a lot of our audience, remembers a time when there were 24 hours of television. Mm -hmm. A few, Some of those hours were prime time. Right. And, you know, that's how much time there was for TV to exist. Right. If you couldn't fit it on one of the channels in those 24 hours, we weren't going to do it. Mm-hmm. So that's a limitation right there. And already you've got shows competing for the best time slots mm -hmm. or to get made at all. Flashback to this time period, and there's even fewer hours of TV available because TV's not on all the time. Yeah. It's pretty much only prime time, if I'm not mistaken. And competing for those narrow few hours, they had to know a show was going to work if they were going to make it because they had a bunch of ideas. Which one are we going to spend money on? 
I mean, it's just so crazy to think of now where now it's the opposite. Now they're just like, yeah, we'll make whatever you bring us and we'll see if people watch it. And if it trends, then we'll make more. Right. Uh, What a weird, very, very different time to be alive. Yeah, (laughs) seriously. Yeah. But yeah, it must have been so insanely competitive. I mean, it's competitive now. Right. And there's limitless opportunities for content, as you say, and- Back then, it must have just been, you did a vaudeville show, maybe did something live, I guess, if you couldn't take it to a picture, but... But even then, yeah. I mean, like, now, even if you don't get a studio make your TV show, like, if you've got a couple hundred bucks and some free time, you can make it. Put it (laughs) on YouTube. yeah, yeah. Back then, if you had an idea, have fun. I hope hope you can eat that for dinner, because that's about the most useful thing you can do with that idea. Right. There's four hours of television a week. (laughs) And (laughs) And we ain't got time for your show. Yeah, they're taken. (laughs) But Lucy and Desi are cut above, and they made it happen. I Love Lucy premiered on October 15th, 1951, seven years to the day after they reconciled their 24-hour divorce. Wow. See? Can't let a pesky thing like a little divorce get in the way of of a power couple like them. Yeah. (laughs) The title was chosen by producer Jess Oppenheimer. They had dozens of titles that they had pitched, and they had to pick something pretty quickly. The working title was simply Lucy, but that was never meant to be final. Uh, Eventually, out of all the options in front of him, Jess Oppenheimer just kept coming back to I Love Lucy. He said it conveys the essential nature of the show, an examination of marriage between two people who truly love each other. Yeah. He's like, I love Lucy. He's... We love Lucy, but so does Ricky Ricardo. Well, yeah, I remember you saying like, well, you know, how did they pick that to have it was so much about the two of them and how is it just her name and the title? But I was thinking about that like it's not necessarily though because we're the title is the perspective mm-hmm. of Ricky. Right. So they're both kind of there and so it just sort of conveys that that loving nature of the show, mm-hmm. comedy. Yeah. Well, look, I love Lucy was so much more than a hit. The show itself Almost entirely due to Desi's producing skills, Lucy's comedic talent, and both of their business acumen would revolutionize television comedy into what we know it as today. Together, Lucy and Desi formed the company Desi Lou Productions. And they were as clever in business as they were in comedy. They weren't just actors, and they weren't willing to settle for anything less than innovative, creative, high-quality content. But they took it even further than that. At the time, most TV was shot live in New York and broadcast to the East Coast, and then the rest of the country would get a low-quality kinescope three hours later. Kinescope is basically like a bootleg copy. There's literally a special camera that filmed a screen while the show played back. Oh my God, literally you got CJ's phone video from the back of the theater. Yes, exactly. (laughs) They're like, just tape it, rush it out. They'd send that out to the West Coast and then they'd air it in primetime over there three hours later. So you couldn't film a show live in Los Angeles because by the time it's ready to go and airing at primetime at 8 p.m., it's already 11 p.m. in New York City. And so even if they got it out there three hours later, now it's 2 a.m. in New York. They're not going to watch it then. That's way outside of prime time. But the Arnezes loved living in L.A. So Desi said, no, we ain't moving to New York City. 
And the network is like, okay, well, how do you expect to make the show then? But Desi already had an issue with the existing format because kinescope quality was terrible, as we just said. Right. <laughs> Look like CJ's little video from the, <laughs> the theater. Yeah. It was blurry. It sounded weird. You just didn't get the same experience. So Desi goes to Philip Morris, a sponsor of theirs, and said, hey, we want to shoot the show on film. And, you know, the people at Philip Morris are like, a a TV show on film? (laughs) Are you kidding me? That's insane. (laughs) Because film is very expensive. Right. You see, and they don't need to shoot it. They've got a system. They're like, you film it live in New York, broadcast it live, and then they get a tape in L.A. later. Fine, whatever. It's been fine for for six years or however long they've been doing this at this point. <laughs> why, why, it ain't broke. Come on. And Desi says, no, no, no. It's fine. We worked it out. How about this? We'll take a pay cut. We'll shoot the show on film ourselves. And then you can send it to both coasts at the same time. Everybody gets a better quality image. In exchange, we'll just take the rights to the episodes after they air. And Philip Morris agrees to provide the film... <laughs> So CBS is like <laughs> CBS is like oh you want the rights to the episodes of TV after they air <laughs> okay okay sure sure who who would care about old TV episodes I mean they they've already run what are you gonna do run them again like some some sort of Rerun? Yeah. yeah, what's a rerun? <laughs> Sounds never heard of it. purely idiotic. So, okay, you crazy kids. Sure, you have the rights. Have all the rights. <laughs> you can have all the rights to the episodes after they air. <laughs> what a waste. Excuse me, gotta go set a big pile of money on fire. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All in all, reruns would go on to make Desilu untold millions of dollars in the syndication market. It's still considered to be one of, if not the best deal ever made in television history. Insane. I mean, again, you got to imagine these guys have got only a couple hours a night of TV. Right? They're not thinking about episodes airing again. No one has ever watched a TV episode twice before. That's so long-headed, though, for them to go, how many times do people come back and come back to the Vaudeville show? Exactly. They come back and see a play 40 times. Right. They want to see it again. You want it. Yes. I know we're going to find a way at some point in TV to show it to them again, and I want to make the money off that shit. And that is just the beginnings of the brilliance that Desi specifically and Lucy together with him Mm -hmm. brought into television. Yeah. And just changed the game because of that. I think because, like we said, they were so connected to people, yeah. right? They, from their upbringings, like Lucy wanted people to adore her. She wanted to show them something. She wanted them to be dazzled by whatever she gave them. And she studied that. She knew how to do that. And Desi was right there with everyone in their face playing the conga drums, mm-hmm. you know, while they're cheering and having a great time. And he he could read the crowd. A band leader absolutely can read to. a crowd. Absolutely. You know, do I slow it down? Do I speed it up? Are we getting to We all know the here? difference between a good DJ and a bad oh, DJ. Yeah. And yeah, it's the same with a band leader. Yep. It was essentially the DJ of his time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Where he had to be like, I'm in charge of the whole vibe of this entire room. Uh-huh. And I need to be able to change it 
from, from if it's if it's a bummer vibe, I need to be able to pick that up. <laughs> exactly. Like I mean, and he did it. He had the talent for that. He's incredible. Uh, so I was so amazing. amazed by by this deal, Ugh. by by seeing that again. Yet, like you said, in the way that TV executives just could not see it. Yeah. Um, they Too they were like short minded. You know, you're useless. thinking about immediate profit. Right. And sometimes right. you leave a lot of money on the table yep. when you think about immediate profit. Yep. Yep. But uh, that, like I said, there's barely scratching the surface. So much more. I mean, they are just getting the show started now. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to get into, in part two, the production of this show, the many other brilliant ideas. And innovations. And innovations that Desi had uh, that, again, we're we're literally still watching today. Uh, some of those most popular shows of today wouldn't be what they are if it weren't for some of the ideas that Desi had in the mm-hmm. production process. Yeah. And then Lucy's genius and impact on comedy is, I don't even have to tell you right. how different things would be. Uh, I, she's incredible. She's one of the funniest people in the world. And and we'll talk about in part two, how she herself did not think she was that strong of a comedian, mm-hmm. but just a very meticulous and rehearsed performer. But the woman was funny. I mean, she even some hilarious. of her interviews, I'm like, that is a razor sharp wit. Mm-hmm. So come on, Lucy, mm-hmm. give yourself a little more credit. Right. She put in the work. She did. She was willing to put in the work. Yep. To be better. And it comes that you can always tell, you know, if you're iconic, it's because you put in the work. Yeah. And and you know not not to spoil too much, but just a little tease. Uh, Lucy herself, Lucille, had some brilliant business decisions as well coming up. And, oh yeah, and uh, ended up being a very powerful force in the producing side of television mm-hmm. um, for a lot of her career. Yeah. So I love this. I, I wish we could cram it all into one. I know. But uh, you know, too your much. time is valuable. Our time is valuable. <laughs> it's just too much. They're too big. These are some of the most incredible people ever. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really going to come out in part two. So definitely stay tuned. Yes. For that episode. Please this join us for yeah. the, the exciting finale. <laughs> Uh, but in the meantime, please let us know what you think about this episode yeah. and and all the other ones that we've done. <laughs> you got any ideas for other episodes, other episodes we could do? Please send them our way. We, we get, love those. Yeah, we get some great suggestions. Oh, from yeah. Y'all, so thank you for those. Um, our email address is romance at iheartmedia.com. That's right. And you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Oh Great, It's Eli. I'm at Diana Might Boom. And you can find the show at Ridic Romance on both those platforms as well. Yeah. Uh, We can't wait to hear from you, and we can't wait for you to hear from us on our next episode. (laughs) (laughs) Don't forget to tell everyone you know to listen to the show. Share it with them. That's the best way to help us keep keep this train rolling. Absolutely. Speculation station. And don't forget, if you haven't heard it yet, then uh, Thursday's episode of The Daily Zeitgeist, uh, I'll be on. And then next week's, next Thursday's episode, you can catch Diana on their show. Yeah, I'm excited. Yes, we're very excited to be there. So cool. Yep. Uh, So we will catch you on the next one. Love you. Bye. So long, friends. It's time to go. Thanks for listening to our show. Tell your friends, neighbors, uncles, and aunts to listen to our show, Ridiculous Romance. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, 
We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network.